You're listening to The Diarist, a Red Couch Black Dog production. Episode 2, Mrs. Margaret Hayes. After that luncheon at the Lotus Room, I began working for Richard Hayes, and it seemed, after all, that the lunch had been platonic, the rest of it a product of my imagination. Nothing more than a welcome gesture. Nothing more. Time flew by in my new position as his executive secretary. He was right. I did possess the skills to do a superb job. I'd even say that I was meant for more challenging work. I had been worried the first two months. At first... After our luncheon, my attraction grew unbearable. When I wasn't working, I was out purchasing clothes or pampering myself at the beauty salon. I wanted those stolen glances and lingering looks from Richard. But he seemed to have retreated back into his benevolent, reserved ways. I'd like to say I'd lost romantic interest in Richard, but it wasn't like that at all. It was a relief to feel needed. We worked very well together. Very well. You see, I was quite a good executive secretary, and after a few short months I began developing a growing ambition, for what I didn't fully know. Also, Ellen and I had grown quite close. It seemed we'd become the top girls in the agency. She, the ever-competent office manager, and me? Well, behind every great man. Ellen, dear, I've got to run all sorts of errands for Mr. Hayes tonight. He's had me preparing the bird's eye campaign. I'm on a very tight schedule. Then I've got to get his suit over to the house, and Mrs. Hayes... Oh, dear. Is she at it again? I'm afraid so. Remember, not a word of this to the other girls. Of course. What's happened? It's been three days of... Andrea, bring the storyboards in, please. Yes, sir. I just picked them up from the art department. I'll bring them in now. All right, dear. If Richard gives me the go-ahead, I'll come find you. I hope he doesn't shoot it down. I'll have to tell the art team to stay late. I don't want to run all the way over to the west side to drop off his suits, and besides, I don't know what kind of state Mrs. Hayes will be in. Oh, dear. Andrea, have you got the storyboards? Yes, I'm very sorry. I'm coming. Let me help you, dear. What can I do? Tell you what. If Richard's all right with it, I'll have you cover his call so I can get to the cleaners. But I've got to go over this campaign materials first. I would love to have dinner before ten at least one night this week. Okay, walk me through it. The whole thing, just the way you told it to the art team. All right, shall I, shall I set up here on the storyboards? Yes. Pretend you're me. I'll be the client. All right. This is only my first idea. I have backups, of course. I'm the client, remember? Yes, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Mr. Bird. <laughs> You're very clever, Andrea Davies. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. This will be a two-page spread. Three panels. Life magazine, good housekeeping. The first panel will be a lovely housewife. Beautiful blonde. She's wearing an apron. We can see she's watching her soap operas on the television. Her face is one of dramatic shock over the scene on the TV in front of her. The clock reads 3.30. Panel 2. Still watching her programs, touching her eyes with a handkerchief, 
The clock reads five o'clock, and we can see Mr. Husband through the window about to enter the house. Panel three, we see the whole family smiling as housewife serves dinner. She's smiling and winking. The whole family is happy. And the line is, bird's eye frozen dinners for the busy housewife. Very good. Very, very good. Really? I did this one almost by myself. The idea, I mean. Well, you did very well. I like it. Bring them here, would you? You worked with Steve Morris's team on this? I met with them and showed them some of the sketches and then worked on it together. They're good. I like the storyboards, but not the story as much. Oh, they're not final. Why isn't the housewife busy running errands? We don't want to offend anybody. Well, that's an awful lot like the Burger King campaign. Hmm. Well, we don't want that, do we? No, I don't know why I didn't think of it. Should I come back after checking on Margaret and Margot? No, this will get me started. You're very valuable here. Your work is very good. This is better than most of the ad executives. Thank you. I find I love this work. I can make use of my natural talent for drawing. I can see that. I mean, these are the art teams, but based on my initial sketches... Well, I'm off to the cleaners. Are you sure it's no trouble? Dropping them by the apartment? Oh, of course not. I'm happy to. Andrea. Yes? I have a little something for you. Oh, that's not... To say thank you for all of your hard work. You're very valuable. Here, come here. Oh, Mr. Hayes. Richard. This is lovely. Just a little something to say thank you. A locket. There's nothing in here. I suppose I could put a photograph of mother and father. Let me put it on you. You really didn't have to, but I love it. Thank you. All right. I'll see you tomorrow, then. Would you believe it if I told you that during the whole taxi ride, I could still feel his hands on my neck fastening the necklace clasp? It wasn't how it seemed. Once in a while, he'd leave a small gift for me, thanking me for my contribution. They were lovely. A silk scarf or a, a silver bracelet. He didn't leave them often enough that I would be spoiled by it or take it as an advance. I suppose you could say we'd become friends, as illogical as that may seem. A married executive and his young secretary. I grew to feel as if the office were my home, and I was sort of a wife to him. Oh, that doesn't sound right now that I say it. And what an opportunity for an office girl. My drawings were often given to the art team to render storyboards and used in presentations. I'd even begun regular visits to his house, picking up his suits from the housekeeper and taking them to the cleaners. It was true. His wife had been very ill, and never once did I see her when I went to the house. It, it wasn't just his suits. I also dropped storyboards off or delivered contracts if we had been on a rush schedule. I enjoyed working late. Really, it was a pleasure to anticipate his needs and meet them before he asked. I think he liked the arrangement, too. I was an asset.
One evening, I was returning to Richard's apartment to drop off his suits. He was still at the office. It was late, but I knew he was leaving early for a plane to Orlando, and he'd need a light fabric suit. I wanted to make sure they were clean and ready for him in time. I was dressed in a light linen suit. It was July, and there had been a heat wave for over a week. I had on a white skirt with a sailor top, navy blue pumps. I had started wearing my hair down, shoulder length. I kept the wave with hairspray and sometimes wore a headband, as I did that evening. I'm sure you don't need these inconsequential details, but you see, they weren't inconsequential. I was at the height of my competence and confidence. You see, Richard had given me this air beneath my wings. I thought I would fly into success and adulthood. Good evening, Miss Davies. Good evening, Tom. I'll bring these up for Mr. Hayes. Yeah, of course. Well, here we are. I can see my way up. No, it's not a bother, Miss Davies. I had a peculiar feeling in the elevator on the way up. I kept my glance towards the floor, avoiding the attendant. The ride up to the penthouse seemed long for some reason. But when we landed, I looked up at him and smiled. Here we are. I can never get used to how beautiful the vestibule is. The marble, chandeliers. Yes, ma'am, me too. I'll take those, Mrs. Davies. Is everything all right, Elizabeth? No, not really, Andrea. It's happening again. Worse. What is it? Is there something I can do? Let me... Is Mr. Hayes here? No, he's still out. She's at it again. Worse. Oh, Andrea, I don't know what to do. Now, Dottie, you've heard what I said, haven't you? I have things packed. Must just check for the driver. Oh, dear. Let's hurry. Hold on what you can carry. I have to go tend to Margaret. Wait, where is Margot? I told her to stay in the room with the nanny. I'm taking her with me. I'll take Margot, and once this is sorted out, I'll bring her home. This is no place for a child. All the way to your apartment? You'll bring her all the way to your home? That's a train ride. It's getting late. Johnny! I insist on speaking to her immediately. Here, Elizabeth, I'm coming in. Have you called an ambulance? Yes, I have. Well, call and cancel it. I'll calm her. I don't want to make things difficult for Richard. He's leaving early in the morning, and there's no need for him to spend hours at the hospital. I'll calm her down, and then I'll take Margot. It's important he gets his rest. Dottie! You'll be all right, Margaret. Oh, dear, you poor girl. Look at you. Of course. I must tell you everything, Dottie. I never smoke. Today is my first. Now, Margaret. You must get a hold of yourself. How about I help you get dressed? I'll make you some tea and help you calm down. You must do that for Margot. She must be terrified. I'm certain of it. Margot. 
Dorothy Linden, don't you know the two of them have been scheming? Why, they aren't children at all. I can hear the small one, but the girl won't tell me. They're conspiring with evil to drive me crazy. And the little one, but the girl won't tell me. Enough is enough. Come now. I'll take Margot with me while you get some rest. Mr. Hayes will be home soon. Don't you want to be calm before he gets here? You don't know the things that he does to me. I think he's going to kill me. He'll kill me! I pray he won't. He won't what, Margaret? Ever come back. You must get control of yourself, Margaret. Can't you see you're hysterical? Something happened to you, dear. Has she calmed down yet? Have you got something to help her relax? Yes, I've brought her pill. Bring it to me and call the doctor. Tell them Margaret will be all right tonight. I'll ask Mr. Hayes if I can make arrangements for her in the morning. Isn't that right, dear? Yes. Of course it is. I'll take Margot once I have her settled in. Mrs. Hayes will be just fine for tonight. Thank you, Elizabeth. We're fine now. Here, dear, take your pill. It will help calm you down. How about I sit with you until you fall asleep? Oh, would you? I would like that very much. Of course. Won't you read something to me, Dottie? Of course. What would you like me to read? What's there, Dottie? There on the side table by the window? I stood and looked down at her in that bed. There she was, with thin, brittle hair, nearly white. The blonde must have lost its color from some sort of nutritional deficiency or or perhaps lack of grooming. And the nightdress she had on had a Victorian collar, ruffled around her neck. I couldn't help but think she looked more like a corpse in a coffin than a young mother. A terrible thought for which I tried to immediately erase from my thoughts. I stood over her like a nurse or mother. I ran my hand over her hair and smoothed it down so it lay flat in waves around the pillow. Already she looked much more alive. Her pale blue eyes looked wet. Are you about to cry, Margaret? You're so kind to me, Dottie. You're the only one. Darling, you know my name's not Dottie, don't you? What is it then? Have you changed it again? No, I haven't changed anything. My name is Andrea. We've just met this evening. Don't try to sit up, just rest. It seems I'm dizzy. Influenza, I think. It's killed so many poor souls like me, hasn't it? You're very funny, you know that. It's a coincidence, isn't it? What is, Margaret? Your name. It's just the same as the character in my book. Over on the table. You're going to read to me, aren't you, Dottie, dear? Madame Bovary. <laughs> Is this your book, Margaret? Yes, that's it. You share the name. Now you know that isn't true, don't you, Margaret? The character's name is Emma. Isn't that what you told me? You said you weren't Dottie. You told me you were... Emma. Bovary. Why did you come here tonight? You want my husband, don't you? Oh, you are silly. 
Please don't say such a thing. Well, I don't want him. I never did. He stole me. You have him. Set me free. Poor thing. Crazy as she was, she was like a child to me, and I did love children. I straightened her covers around her and sat down on the wingback chair near her bed. I opened the book to a place kept by a velvet ribbon bookmark. I wondered if Margaret had been reading the book on her own, or if someone else, like I was about to, read it to her to help her sleep. And what a book to help a confused, deranged wife fall asleep. Madame Bovary. I should think it would be unsettling, but really I didn't know her tastes at all. Perhaps a tragic love affair preoccupied an otherwise tormented mind. Before I started, I sat quiet for a moment. I could hear Margaret's breathing. I looked at her, and her eyes were open, staring up at the ceiling. Before I turned to the book, I noticed a framed picture of Richard by her bed. He looked a bit younger, dashing. That same charming smile, more alive than most. In fact, in the dim light of night in Margaret's bedroom, I compared the two of them, her ghostly appearance to his strong handsomeness. I realized what a prison his life had been, and I felt fortunate that he trusted me as his confidant. I almost felt as if I was the only person who could understand. Maybe I felt that way because, without realizing it, I had fallen in love with him. I began reading. She did not know if she regretted having yielded to him, or whether she did not wish, on the contrary, to enjoy him the more. The humiliation of feeling herself weak was turning to rancor, tempered by their voluptuous pleasures. It was not affection. It was like a continual seduction. He subjugated her. She almost feared him. When I looked up again, Margaret had fallen into a deep sleep. As cruel as it sounds, and it wasn't cruelty that brought this thought, rather compassion. As terrible as it was, I felt perhaps Margaret was too frail for this world. A world that required resilience and fortitude. A world where one could only have real love if they lived in reality, able to carry on with the mundane as well as the passionate. I realized she could not fulfill the needs of a man like Richard, and never would be able to. That night I assumed a greater role as dutiful companion to Richard. I would try harder to anticipate his every need. After Margaret fell asleep, I began my new position. I closed Margaret's door slowly so as not to wake her. I straightened my skirt and held my head high. I entered the kitchen where Elizabeth and the nanny were seated, having tea. No doubt gossiping. Elizabeth? Please bring Margot to me and pack her an overnight bag. Of course, Andrea. Is she all right? All the way to your apartment? No, I'll be taking a taxi cab to my parents' home in Connecticut. Oh, Andrea, that's quite a ways. I'd prefer if you call me Miss Davies. I can see Mr. Hayes needs me to arrange some things. I'll need to take on a more professional role. 
He depends on me to make sure things are just so. He needs to attend to his work, and these disturbances need to stop. I will leave my telephone number. You are to call me if there are any problems. Do you understand? Well, yes, Miss Davies. Very well. Let's not speak of it again. I'll be taking Margot with me this evening. I will make sure she is cared for and safe. I will speak with Mr. Hayes this evening, and together we will decide what to do next. I must be professional, that's all. After all, we were to work together, be allies in the best interest of little Margot. I will help, I promise. Thank you. We do need help. You're welcome, Elizabeth. All right, now that Margaret is asleep, please do as I say. Dress Margot and pack a bag. Tell her that her father's friend is taking her on a special overnight adventure. Once you bring her to me, I'll do the rest. Oh, Elizabeth, wait. Here, give her a candy to settle and distract her. Yes, ma'am. How do I describe the taxi ride with Margot? If ever there was a revelatory event in my life, it was that one single ride from New York City to my parents' home in the suburbs. Little Margot, her red curls up in ribbons, indulged in my maternal offering. As soon as we entered the cab and settled in, she slid her body next to mine. She lay her head against me and put her hand in mine. It was moments before she was asleep. There I was, with this child that I already felt was my own. I can say with the deepest sincerity I already loved Margot. That night after Margot was asleep in the guest room, I settled on the couch under one of Mother's old quilts. I knew Richard would call, and likely soon. After all, he had a long flight in the morning, and he was likely part relieved, part concerned about his daughter. Margaret was likely fast asleep and would stay so until late morning. So I felt a bit of comfort in knowing he would be able to have a little peace in the evening before he went to bed, too. I expected that he would call and share that personal time with me. Of course, I was correct. Hello? Andrea? Are you there? Yes, of course. I'm sorry. Are you all right? I haven't woken you, have I? I'm here. I'm sorry. I was dozing off. I've woken you. Shall I call in the morning? No. No, of course not. How are you? Andrea, I don't know how to thank you. I'm stunned at your compassion. I'm indebted to you. This will be the first night I've slept through. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't have to deal with these domestic problems. Yeah, well, this just may be my lot in life. I want to help you. I can. It's... It's nothing for me to add help to my duties. I know you need your time to rest before the presentation. I'll keep things running smoothly for the firm, so you can focus your attention. Andrea, I don't know if I can burden you. Why shouldn't you? It's beyond the job. I'd like to help you. I like doing things for you. Andrea? Yes? I've forgotten what it means to be cared about in this way. Honestly, Andrea, I'm being sincere. Thank you for saying so. I'm saying I have feelings beyond our work. I don't know what it means, but I want to tell you 
For some time, I've wanted to tell you. Richard, I wasn't raised to be that kind of girl. Don't you share these feelings? To be indiscreet. Of course, I know you don't. But you care for me too. Have feelings beyond the job. I can't be alone in my feelings. It's my job. It's no bother, Richard. I would do the same for any employer. You know that, right? I'm a very dedicated employee. I'm an ambitious girl. I, I don't... I don't know what I'm saying. I don't... I don't want to sound unappreciative. I'm so grateful. You've made me see I'm not just a typist. I love working for you. Well. Please return Margot tomorrow. Of course. I'm sorry. Things... Things aren't coming out right. To be honest, I'm half asleep. I... I must sound so silly. Andrea, Elizabeth told me it was her understanding that you've been hired to manage the household. Did you convey that to her? Give her that impression? Well, no. Please wait. This is going too fast. You haven't given me a moment to respond. You've made your feelings clear. Let me make mine. You're my secretary. That's all. Of course. Of course. Richard, I I was just caught off guard. That's all. I'll have Elizabeth settle things with Margaret. I'll see you at the office when I'm back from Orlando. May I say one more thing? No. Richard, wait. I want to tell you... Have I rejected you? Just for my propriety? Because I'm a respectable girl? Mother. Why have you made me this way? Why can't I... Well, can I just love who I want? There you are, little baby. What a good girl you are. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Papa's gonna buy you a mockingbird. And if that mockingbird won't sing, Papa's gonna buy you a diamond ring And if that diamond ring turns brass Papa's gonna buy you a looking glass And if that looking glass gets broke Papa's gonna buy you a billy goat And if that billy goat won't pull This one's different, Emma. The house is full. Something is coming. Knocking on our doors. Does the house staff care? What do the children care? It's me. I have to barricade these doors, but what am I to do about these windows? Even the panes are thin. The wood is rotten. I can't stay in this cold house anymore. No food. Emma... That's what he talks about, Emma Bovary. 
But if I look out the window, more like a keyhole, I'd say, I look when he leaves. She's a brunette, very sophisticated. I ask him, and he gives me that suspicious look, as if I've gone through the things in his study. I have. There is one drawer in particular. It's full of drawings of the girl, the mother of his child. I tell him I've seen them, too. Go get her, please. Let me go, too. Things have changed. He tells me as soon as I'm dead, he'll fetch her. She'll take care of his children, and he and Emma can be together. I talk with him as though he's a reasonable man, and we are conducting a business deal. But why kill me when I want to leave? You have no place to go. Dottie is my friend. She'll take me in. Oh, Andrea, I see you. I see you reading my words. How do you like the thoughts of a dead woman? Likely I'm a ghost by the time you read these words. Likely you are too.